Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together we can be hopefully sustainable. Hi friends, I am very excited about this week's episode. Ever since our previous guest, Hannah Testa, introduced me to Haley Thomas, I have wanted Haley to be a guest on Hopefully Sustainable. Well, today's the day. She is an inspiring activist, and I love all that she stands for. Wellness, compassion, positivity. Today, we have some very interesting discussions about everything from what it means to be vegan to her life as an activist. I encourage everyone to listen all the way to the end as we finish this episode a little differently than ever before. Let's get started. Hi, Haley. I want to start out by thanking you for taking the time to share your passion and incredible energy with all of the listeners today. I first discovered you after the episode that I recorded with Hannah Testa, and I'm so glad that she introduced me to you because I have no doubt that you are going to change the world. I'd love to read an excerpt from your website to introduce you to all of the listeners. Haley Thomas is 19 years old, an international speaker, wellness and compassion activist, vegan food and lifestyle content creator, the youngest to graduate from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition as a certified integrative nutrition health coach, and the founder and CEO of the nonprofit HAPPY, which stands for Healthy, Active, Positive, Purposeful Youth. I mean, what have you not accomplished yet? (laughs) To start out, I want to know, was there something that kickstarted you into becoming an activist, or was this more of a gradual journey? Oh, there was definitely um, a pivotal moment in my life that kind of thrust me into this world um, really started with my dad. So when I was eight years old, he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and um, coming from a family that loves food and um, loves, you know, our culture, we're Jamaican. So um, it was definitely uh, quite a shock and kind of threw us um, for, you know, a ride for sure in terms of really having us look at our lifestyle and what was and wasn't working. And so when he was, you know, prescribed this medication that had unbelievable side effects like internal bleeding and death we kind of thought that this was not an option at all and so you know luckily my parents are always you know into investigating things um i like to call ourselves like productive conspiracy theorists so we <laughs> look into um you know what we're taking or you know what's being handed to us and really look into it and see if there are any healthier alternatives so that's what really happened with my dad and we started to find out that people were reversing type 2 diabetes with a healthier lifestyle and so we decided to embark on this journey together and you know at the time I was like eight or nine years old and you know my sister was four but all four of us um, my mom and my dad and my sister and I we were like completely invested in learning about health and wellness together so we would watch like food documentaries and read all the books together and then you know make things in the kitchen to kind of apply everything we've learned and so that entire process is what really showed me the power of food and then going to school and seeing that my peers 
peers didn't have this knowledge and that even in our PE class, we weren't learning anything about food or nutrition. I kind of started to think like something was off and that this was a really big piece of our health and wellness. And I think that's what initially kind of highlighted this problem that I was seeing. And then the more that I started to learn, the more I realized childhood obesity was a thing and a very, you know, big issue in our country. And I just wanted to learn more. And so my parents, you know, have always kind of raised me to have the mindset of like, just going for whatever I want to try. They've always been really supportive of that. And so I just kind of went to my mom and shared with her my newfound passion for all of this. And together, we just looked into ways that I could get involved in my community and really just uh, blossom from there. Wow. So what did that transition to eating healthier and changing your food habits look like exactly? Yeah. So I mean, typical like Jamaican diet, at least for us, we ate a lot of white rice, a lot of red meats, um, heavy gravies and sauces, very little vegetables. Um, So basically going from that type of lifestyle to really lightening everything up. So incorporating lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, reducing red meat. We basically only ate like chicken and fish at the time. And so completely, you know, taking out red meat was a big thing. At the time, we didn't really drink any dairy milk or anything like that. So that was already something that we had kind of got down. We mostly drank soy milk and cheese was still around, but we were definitely just limiting everything and kind of increasing that vegetable intake. So that was really what we did. We just started to kind of look at all of our favorite dishes. Like one of our favorites was um, curry goat. And so instead of curry goat, we did like curry shrimp lettuce wraps and things like that. So those were the gradual steps that we took to start lightening everything up and getting in more nutrition and eventually you know we find ourselves going vegan but um, that was really that first step. Explain I know most people probably know what being vegan means but just in case can you explain what the term vegan means and why you think that is really important? Yeah so Being a vegan is not really simply, you know, just refraining from eating animal products, but it's also a lifestyle. So um, with veganism, basically, you know, you refrain from eating anything that has a face or had a mother and that include that does not include, you know, dairy, eggs, milk, um, cheese, dairy products, um, meat, fish, none of that, anything that was living and breathing, basically. And so um, that's in terms of the diet, but then in terms of the lifestyle, it's really all about um, being ethical and compassionate. So refraining from using any products made out of animal products, like say, you know, leather shoes or a leather bag, um, suede, things things like that. And so um, for the entire lifestyle, it's just really about kind of finding ways to be compassionate with everything that you purchase and everything that you ingest as well. And um, I think the compassionate lifestyle aspect really can seep into so many other things. It can also affect the way you treat other human beings and how you approach even social justice issues, which um, is a big piece that I think veganism is trying to kind of capture nowadays. It's just really being more intersectional, which is exciting to see. So that's kind of veganism in a nutshell. I think it's really interesting how you talk about it being a lifestyle, because I think a lot of the time when you hear the term vegan or you meet people who are vegan, 
it's all focused on what they're consuming in mm -hmm. food terms. So it's interesting to kind of look at it as a full lifestyle of everything that you're purchasing and consuming and how you treat other humans, not just animals necessarily, which yeah. leads perfectly into my next question. I watched the video that you posted on your Instagram called Racism Isn't Vegan. And I want to give a little background on it for the listeners and feel free to jump in. But you had been featured by a news source called Veg News, and you were talking about the vegan movement, and it was highlighting people of color who are promoting the vegan movement. And you noticed a few comments on this article that was saying how people were upset that it was only people of color who were being highlighted. And so you went on to create this video titled Racism Isn't Vegan to talk about how if you are vegan, then there's that's not associated with someone who is racist because you have to be compassionate to not just animals, but also people as well. So I would love for you to just talk about what inspired you to make that video and elaborate on what that concept means to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think that in you know becoming a vegan there's so much that has to shift in your lifestyle right so you're changing what you eat you're changing what you purchase and what you put into your home and you wear on your body and you're also changing your mindset and the way that you view living beings so you're you know looking at a cow and saying we're equal in our experiences even though they're different right and i think that that same mindset and that same approach applies to fellow human beings as well. And unfortunately, what I see a lot in the vegan community is this kind of disturbance when is disrupted in any way. And so that's basically what happened with that veg news feature. You know, it was highlighting vegans of color because we aren't the default, unfortunately. When you think of a vegan, I don't think you're going to think of me um, immediately. Usually we kind of have, and this is a stereotype, you know, that's been just driven into everyone um, for a while now. It's like you think of like a hippie white person who's like, you know, environmentalist or something like that. And um, that's not necessarily, you know, the only only expression of a vegan and mm -hmm. definitely not the origins of veganism either. And so basically, you know, with these features that highlight people of color who are vegan, it's all about showing that this movement is diverse. And in showing our diversity in this movement, we're allowing others to enter and feel safe in being a part of this community just by seeing that their culture is represented or, you know, people who look like them um, are also, you know, thriving on this lifestyle. And so it's important to have those different perspectives um, highlighted and embraced and celebrated. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people see that when their default isn't always there and always you know being celebrated they feel as though um you know there's a message going out that their activism isn't important or their contributions aren't important or needed when in fact it's just showing that there needs to be contributions and celebrations of all people who are contributing to this movement and pushing it forward and building community around it so um you know i think that racism is the most uh, uncompassionate thing in the entire world and um for us to say that we you know live a compassionate lifestyle i think that should extend to human beings and how we handle ourselves out in the world how we express ourselves and the ways that we truly relate to others that maybe we don't have that same experience but 
we generally, you know, are all the same. So I think it's, it's just applying that um, will really strengthen our movement. And even in terms of accessibility to the vegan lifestyle, so much of that is rooted in, um, you know, privilege. Being able to be vegan is a privilege for many. And while you can go vegan, you know, on a budget or in, you know, coming from a background that's maybe underserved, it's still a lot harder than, you know, a middle class or upper class person. And so Mm -hmm. we have to acknowledge that veganism in itself can come across a certain way and can be inaccessible to others. And so I think that's why it's super important to include a social justice aspect, food justice aspect in our work as well, because we can't, you know, we can't expand veganism if people can't go vegan. So um, very important to just keep that in mind as well. And I know you quoted in that video um, a quote that said, we rise by lifting others. And I think that's a perfect summary is that we have to include all people in these movements or else it's not going to be effective at all. So we really have to support everyone and hear the voices of all different people. So thank you for sharing that. And I want to ask a question about, I know you said your whole family was on board when you wanted to become vegan. Do you have advice for families or individuals on how to transition to a vegan lifestyle or begin incorporating veganism into their daily lives? Absolutely. Um, So when we initially went vegan, it was actually through a challenge. So in 2014, I had seen like this article on red meat causing cancer and it just kind of it just unsettled me in a way that I really just couldn't shake it. And so I thought, okay, let me look into like this whole vegan thing. And I just did some research and looked like it would be something fun that I could challenge myself to do. And it was purely for, you know, health reasons or food reasons at the time. Um, I didn't really know much about the environmental side of it or the ethical side of it, but I thought of it as just like this fun adventure that I could try. And so um, I challenged myself and my family to, you know, be vegan through August through the end of the year. And, you know, we were almost positive that we wouldn't make it through Thanksgiving, but we actually ended up having like this beautiful vegan feast. And so I think the first thing was that we just approached it with such a you know, an adventurous spirit. And it was super fun and exciting to just explore the lifestyle and to learn so much. And, you know, getting educated was a really big piece in keeping me committed to um, moving forward with that challenge. And then, you know, through that challenge, being vegan for almost six years now. So, um, through that, you know, I learned so much about the environmental aspect and the ethical aspect. And those things really um, grounded me in my decision to be vegan and continue this challenge, you know, after it ended. So getting to learn about all of that was really helpful and doing it as a family really helped with that transition as well. Just ensuring that everyone was on board on the same page, of course, making sure that we could still enjoy our favorite foods. Um, Veganized was a big piece of it as well. And so knowing that, you know, we didn't have to miss anything because we were able to replace it with, you know, a remix that was all vegan was really, really helpful. And I think really those two pieces are the most important is just like getting educated, understanding what you're getting into, all the benefits of it, but also, you know, the extra steps you might have to take, like, you know, supplementing with B12, 
per se. And so um, doing that, getting educated, feeling well-equipped and prepared, um, having that adventurous spirit and, you know, not just stressing yourself out with it. And then finding ways to just make this food taste really great, um, being creative and adding all of the ingredients and the spices that you love uh, to vegan ingredients. It's, it's really, that was really what kind of sealed the deal for us was being able to do that. And eventually, you know, all the other components started to come together. So I'm the type of person that needs to like do it 100%. So I couldn't like be vegetarian first and then become vegan because I love cheese way too much. And then I think it would have like trickled into everything else. Um, so I had to do it like cold turkey. Um, and doing that just helped me just stay really committed. But I know that for some of us, it's helpful to take it step by step. And so you could easily like swap out, you know, one to three meals per week, plant-based or even do plant-based weekends where you just experiment with some recipes. And so I think really the key is to convince yourself that it's delicious and to show yourself that it's delicious if you put in that effort and um, really learn from so many different resources that are available now. Um, I have a cookbook coming out that will definitely help with some recipes, but there's also so many online and through you know Instagram that you can be inspired by or try for yourself. So I think it's 10 times easier than it was even, you know, in 2014 now with so many products and replacements for butters and cheeses and meats even that can help that transition really go a little bit smoother. Yes. Thank you so much for bringing up your cookbook. First off, congratulations. Thank you. It's coming out really soon, right? Yeah. In like 10, almost 10 days. Yeah. Okay, I pre-ordered it, so I'm really excited to get it, and my roommate has been vegan for many years, so we're both excited to try all the new recipes that you have in the cookbook. Um, What was writing a cookbook like, and what inspired you to move your vegan activism into a cookbook? Yeah, um, writing Living Lively was definitely, uh, you know, a process that I truly could have never anticipated it. There was a lot of work um, just in writing the book proposal alone. You know, that took me eight months. And so for eight months, I was working on this proposal, getting to know this idea that I had inside and out, understanding the market and really like presenting a little mini book to publishers. And so doing that um, was a lot of hard work. And then eventually pitching the book in in New York City, I got to go and like visit all top five publishers and some other publishing houses and just present my idea and talk through it. And um, that was so much fun and like a dream come true, just going to these publishing houses that, you know, have published books that I'm in love with and have changed my life. And so it was really surreal to to be there. And, you know, the inspiration for Living Lively um, just came together so organically for me because I think um, maybe in like 2017, end of 2017, I started to just realize how much of my well-being was outside of what I ate and outside of, you know, this traditional kind of view of wellness, which was very, you know, kind of secular. You had your physical wellness and then, um, 
you know, all the other things, your self-care and, and your relationships or the ways you fulfill yourself, your passion, your purpose, um, all those things were kind of separate in, in many ways. So I started to notice that it was like the entire thing, the holistic picture that uh, really brought me true wellness and true happiness. And through that journey, um, I just started to think, wouldn't it be so cool if we had like a self-help book or like a self-growth book combined with a cookbook? Because all of these things that you know we engage with in our lives and all the things we're influenced by shape our overall well-being so i want to like have both of them come together and i want to feature some amazing young people who are really stepping into their power as well through these different areas that we need to nurture and so that's really where that idea came to life and then working on it for those eight months and then through the um, pitching process and eventually you know landing with harper collins i just had so much time and so much support to really build it out into what it is today. And then last year, you know, I spent months and months of writing and editing. And, you know, actually a year ago today, we started the cookbook, like photo shoot for food photos. And so um, that was all new to me. And, you know, my friend, like all kids under 21, pulled this book together in terms of, you know, the content with the interviews and the photos. And so it was all very new to us. But I think having this kind of fresh perspective um, was really needed. I liked that we weren't very experienced in the cookbook space and we could just be creative and kind of have fun with it. And um, juggling writing the book and editing and traveling last year is definitely super overwhelming and just a lot to handle. And so even in that process of being overwhelmed, I started to find like different tools that were helping me get through that, that I could incorporate into the book as well. So it was really interesting how the themes of my book were kind of playing out in my life. And I was finding solutions and having conversations that were helping me write this book and really make it, you know, the best that it could be. So uh, yeah, the process is... I don't think you can ever really like capture what it's like until you <laughs> until you go through it if you go through it because I definitely did not expect just how much went into it and how much is still going into it now with this altered like book tour thing it's it's very interesting um to see this all coming together this way but I'm just blown away and so excited I can't believe it <laughs> it must be such an incredible feeling to see it all come together and then to see the actual physical hard copy yeah. of the book yeah seeing the the physical copy when I first got it I was just crying so so hard because <laughs> I you know you just think of all the memories and moments that that pulled it all together all the different countries I was you know editing in and all the different people who were a part of it it was just a really beautiful moment to get to hold it and now I'm trying to figure out I'm like how am I gonna feel it 12 days from now like it's it's crazy and especially under like quarantine circumstances. It's just a whole different thing than I ever expected. I'm sure. As a little sneak peek, do you have a favorite recipe in the cookbook? Ooh, um, one of my favorite recipes in the book. Um, ooh, this is always like the hardest question. <laughs> um, I love my carrot chickpea quinoa bowl with a like maple harissa dressing. That's a really Ooh. delicious bowl recipe. Um, also have like a nutty sunflower 
seed bowl and that's really great. Um, strawberry tahini cookies, those are one of my favorites. Straight fire mac and cheese. Um, yeah, those are some that, that I really love. But um, what's great is that you kind of have recipes in there that can work for any season. So if you're looking for smoothie bowls, I've got you. And there's a lot of uh, different guides for like how to make your own. I encourage that a lot in, in my cookbook to like mix it up and alter the recipe like however you need to just to encourage that creativity. So I've got a lot of smoothie bowls and granola recipes and um, things like that. Drinks, matcha latte, my signature matcha latte recipe. Yeah, so those are some that I, I really love. Wow, well, I'm really looking forward to it. To transition, I want to talk about your nonprofit, The Happy Organization. How did your change in lifestyle lead you to create The Happy Organization, and what is the mission? So starting happy, um, that came about, you know, after I was doing my health advocacy for a couple of years. So in 2010, I really got started and, you know, I was doing like a lot of speeches around the country and getting to do like media tours and, and working with really awesome companies. But I was realizing my message was, you know, primarily going out to adults. And I wanted to ensure that I was making that community impact and that peer impact that I wanted to originally. So starting happy was just really about filling a, a gap that, that I noticed in my community, which was you know, there was no access to free or low cost nutrition education that was fun and exciting and um, engaging for, for kids. So uh, this is just another moment I like went to my mom and, and talked to her about it. And in a weekend, we had like the name all figured out. And we just started to kind of figure out together what we could do. And so I was 12 at the time. And um, I think what I really loved about that journey of really starting out was just how open we were to figuring it out as we go and just finding support within our community. So for the first few years, we had a fiscal sponsor with our local YWCA. And then from there, we, you know, started testing out our programs and summer camps and eventually, you know, got to be like a 501c3 on our own. And it's just been a really great journey. And so our mission with HAPPY, um, which stands for Healthy, Active, Positive, Purposeful Youth, is essentially to empower young people through um, holistic wellness education. So it's all about kids becoming leaders in their own lives, you know, starting with their plates or with how they um, engage with self-care and their communities. So it's really that you know, idea of kind of filling your own cup before filling the cup of others and really understanding that our wellness contributes to our collective wellness. So um, we've been able to work on this by doing, you know, school tours and summer camps where we have kids like go on these culinary adventures. And recently we've been testing out some programming for the self-care aspect. So we're running a self-care summer camp this week on Zoom. And it's been really fun to see the kids learn about all of these things and just how to like be their own best friends and take care of their minds and bodies. Do you have a favorite experience or one that stands out where you realized you really were making a difference? Um, I think there's there's definitely been quite a few moments that have 
really stuck out to me, but one that I just love so much um, is from last year. We were doing like one of our school tours, which was like a Sugar Shockers tour. And basically we go to different schools across New York and we have this like activity where there's a bunch of different products on the table and we're talking about the, the food label, we're going through the ingredients and we have the kids guess how many teaspoons of sugar are in each product. So we were doing that demo and um, at the end of it, like after the kids have found out about all sorts of crazy ingredients and, you know, their favorite snacks and things like that. Um, there was a little boy and he was like eight years old, I want to say. And he raised his hand and he was like, um, excuse me, like, do you think that we can sue the companies for lying to us about uh, these products <laughs> and putting all of these chemicals in our food? And I was I was blown away first, but then before I could even process it, like literally all the students started chanting, sue the company, sue the company. Oh my gosh. And so um, that just really stuck out to me because it was an iconic moment for sure. Definitely showing like the power and mindset of Gen Z. Yes. But also, you know, I felt really happy that this knowledge had um, empowered this student to ask these questions and to think, well, how can we hold them accountable? And so um, I love seeing that and even heard, you know, after that tour that like kids were throwing away their Pop-Tarts and their, you know, and their um, Hot Pockets at, at lunch instead of eating them because they were all like discussing the ingredients labels. So it's really cool to see that um, and kids just taking immediate action and connecting those dots and thinking how they can take this information that they've learned and help their families or their friends friends and communities. So I see that quite a bit um, of just kids instantly kind of thinking, okay, I learned this, like this is what I can do for myself, but I can also help my mom or my grandma or whoever it may be. And that's really, really cool. That's so neat because I feel like educating the youth is so important because they really do bring it home and can impact their older relatives as well. Yeah. I know when I was at college, we were talking about eating healthier and I was working with a nonprofit, and they talked about how they were teaching young kids how to eat healthier and teaching them that you could eat an apple as a snack instead of like a bag of chips, for example. And they went home and asked their parents to buy apples and really changed like the entire grocery store experience for their yeah. family because of what they were requesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's unbelievable. Like just that knowledge in itself. Um, activate something within young people and I mean there are so many just awesome moments that that's occurred I mean we had like a summer camp where we were talking about how hot dogs are made and so they were learning about all of that and and the process and and everything and then later that day we had a field trip to a grocery store and during this field trip at the grocery store, of course, we came across like a deli counter and they were giving away samples of hot dogs and like all the kids were just could not stop talking about the, like how it's actually made and the chemicals that were in it. And the guy who was holding the hot dog samples was like kind of overwhelmed by everything that was going on. But it was great to see them just like connecting those dots and um yeah, so I, I love those little moments and even hearing like stories of, of families reversing, you know, their 
their husband's like type 2 diabetes or um, someone in their family's type 2 diabetes because of hearing about, you know, my story and, and looking into some of the resources we provide. So that's been really, really cool to, to just have that micro and, and macro level of impact that I've been able to witness and hear about. It truly is amazing how powerful food is. And that leads into my next question. As I mentioned in the introduction, you are the youngest to graduate from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition as a certified integrative nutrition health coach. What made you want to attend the Institute and what does that certification allow you to do? Yeah, so um, I really always wanted to attend um, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition because I had heard really great things about it. And um, some of my like favorite people have taught classes there, like Deepak Chopra, who's um, been a mentor of mine over the years. And so he like taught some classes there. And what really stood out to me about IIN is that they um, look into holistic wellness. So it's not just food or, or physical activity. It's the entire picture, which is really great. And, you know, part of what I've learned and put into living lively comes from that training that I got. And so um, going there, you know, was definitely motivated by just my interest, but also I was getting a lot of, um, you know, people saying like, oh, I wasn't qualified to talk about what I was talking about or to teach these certain classes. And so um, doing this definitely helped me just feel more confident in like what I knew and that it was beyond like Google searches or documentaries where I was getting my information from. So going through that program was really great and it was a year long experience um, learning about so many different things and in regards to nutrition, in regards to mental health and self-care um, and just the entire picture. And so that was really, really great for me to, to go through that program and having the certificate basically means that I can coach people and give them recommendations on you know, what to change in their diets or lifestyles and things like that. So having that certification just helps me feel, you know, confident and equipped to do this work and to also have like an arsenal of information to pull from. Speaking of self of self care, you started doing what you call daily deep dives on your Instagram. During this pandemic, some of us have been privileged enough to have more time at home and more time to reflect on everything that's happening around us in the world. So I have sort of a multi-part question. What is your perspective on the importance of reflection? And I'd love to hear more about what made you want to start these daily deep dives. For sure. Um, reflection is definitely such a big piece of my life. Just getting to know myself in, in that way is just really helpful for me. And I think in reflecting, we're slowing down and we're really checking in on ourselves. And in our world before, you know, we definitely didn't, all have, or as many of us didn't have the time to slow down and think about like what's happening in our lives, how we feel about it, how we might want to grow and, and improve or the things that maybe we're lacking and need more of or need to invest in for ourselves. And, um, you know, maybe we think about it in like random thoughts throughout the day, but we usually don't dedicate time to really deep diving into um, every single day. And so the Daily Deep Dive series was really just all about that, providing 
prompts for compassionate self-reflection during quarantine. And this is at the beginning of it. So everyone was kind of all over the place, didn't really know what was going on. We still don't know what's going on, but (laughs) it's, you know, there's some level of adjustment, which is very strange. But um, yeah, it was just kind of to provide some calm and provide some time for inner work and just be that outlet for that experience. So um, the daily deep dives were just something that I needed to do to kind of have a creative expression, but also be of service at the time because I definitely was not sure what to do or what to say. So I started asking myself a lot of questions and wanted to kind of provide those questions that I had been asking myself and calming myself through. And a lot of these deep dives are, you know, intended, have the intention of grounding people and just providing a moment of peace amid so much chaos. So that was really the inspiration behind it. For anyone who's interested, can they go back and find these daily deep dives and still do reflections on them? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you just go to my IGTV um, on Instagram at Haley Thomas, there's a couple videos there. I know they were supposed to be daily, but it would be like a full on like film production in order for me yeah. to produce those videos. So I you know, wasn't able to make them daily, but um, when they came out, it was really great to just see everyone like reflecting on it and, and utilizing them as tools for growth. So you can definitely refer back to them and and explore them as much as you need. I think a lot of people want to become more grounded and really reflect on themselves, but it can be intimidating or you don't really know where to begin. So I think that's a really great resource for people who want to have something to guide them on how they can become more grounded. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm definitely like humbled to hear that it's helpful. So overall, I want to know, this is a big question, but what has your experience been like being an activist and what do you want other youth to know? My experience being an activist, um, I think what's really been great about it is that it's allowed me to grow and, and change. And I say that because I think a lot of us um, in the activism space can kind of quickly get boxed into our you know specific cause and what's been really great about my journey is that I've been able to just grow and shift within it freely I've had a lot of um, support you know mainly from my parents in just like expanding on whatever I am interested in and so this journey of you know being a food activist has transformed into something so much bigger than I could have imagined in the beginning. But I've been able to continue to kind of create my path as I walk on it. And that's something that I really encourage other youth activists to do is just to follow um, your intention and the reason why you started this work and to remain, you know, authentic and vulnerable through it all. Because I think this kind of example that we have of what an activist looks like or what an activist does can kind of box us in in many ways and prevent us from showing it showing up in a way that um, 
is truly 100% ourselves. So for me, I'm really grateful that, you know, I got started when I was like 10 because at the time, like youth activists, it wasn't a super big thing. There were a few of us for sure, but there wasn't an example of what that looked like. Nobody knew the, the benefits and the downfalls to the extent that we do now. And so having that freedom to just grow and learn and shift and expand um, is really something that I'm super grateful for. And I encourage, you know, other youth activists to do the same, to just really stay grounded in that intention and in the reason why you're doing this work and to allow yourself to um, not be defined by just, you know, the fact that you're an activist, but to truly get to know yourself as well, because I definitely, um, in the, probably like the midpoint of my journey, just started feeling like I didn't really know who I was outside of this work. And in recent years, I've really been able to develop that and to develop a a distinction um, between kind of just always working and always kind of being this activist person to just being myself and, and being just a human who loves these different things and who's passionate about these different things. And I think um, accepting my humanity through all of this has really been helpful for me to just feel confident and secure in all the things that, you know, I want to do and create and how I want to show up in the world. So definitely staying intentional and authentic is a big piece. That's really beautiful advice. And I love how your parents have truly supported you and all that you do. How is your dad doing after transitioning to a vegan lifestyle? He's great. Yeah, everyone is doing great. And, you know, that's something I'm so grateful for because at first things were a little rocky, especially with my little sister. She like didn't want to give up um, everything, but (laughs) we were like, come on, it's just a challenge. Like we'll figure it out. And through that journey of just like supporting each other and and growing and learning together, you know, we were able to stick it out and it's been really cool to see just so much of our dynamic shift because of, you know, adopting this this vegan lifestyle and seeing, you know, us all grow together in so many different ways. That's great to hear. So with everything going on in the world around us, it can be very dark at times or discouraging, but I truly believe that you are a source of hope to so many different people, and I want to know what gives you hope. Hmm. Um, What gives me hope is just interacting with so many passionate and compassionate people um, like yourself, like Hannah, like all of the people in my support network and in my online communities. That gives me so much hope because we're able to um, talk about real things and go through, you know, challenges together and work through things that, you know, might be difficult. And uh, what gives me hope is just seeing how so many people are showing up in our world right now, how so many people are um, sharing their truth and and being vulnerable and, and open. And all of that shows me that there's a whole world or there's a whole side of people that we've been neglecting for so long and that's the that's the creative and passionate side the the vulnerable and kind side of us all of those things have kind of been suppressed for so long and now we're really seeing that come to light and i i love it so much and it gives me hope and it inspires me to continue to show up in the way that i wish the, the whole world will show up one day. And so um, I continue pushing on just through that inspiration and knowing that in sharing my truth and in 
doing work that fulfills me, um, I'm inspiring someone else to do the same. As we come to the end, where can listeners become a part of your online community and even order your cookbook? Yeah, so if you'd like to join me on social media, um, I'm basically only on Instagram right now. I cannot juggle the other social media sites at the moment, but you can find me um, there at Haley Thomas, H-A-I-L-E Thomas. And I do have a Twitter at Haley V, like Victor Thomas. Um, Sometimes I just retweet things, but (laughs) those are kind of the two main places. And then for my cookbook, Uh, You can find links to pre-order on both of those social media platforms or visiting my website, HaleyVThomas.com, or simply like Googling Living Lively, and you'll be able to find it that way. I'll be sure to share all of that information in the show notes as well so everyone can find those links. Thank you. I want to finish this episode a little differently. Haley recently posted some beautiful words on her Instagram on Earth Day, and I'd love for her to close us out by reading her poem. Okay, (laughs) let me get into my poet mode. (laughs) All right, this is a reflection on Earth. The sky, our eyes, open to the infinite. The clouds, our being, shape-shifting and reminding us that no form is permanent. The wind, our breath, always in motion. The trees and leaves, our journeys, growing and changing. The earth beneath our feet, our hearts, a source of grounding. The mountains and valleys, our curves and bumps, beautiful shapes no matter the terrain. The flowers, our light, blooming because it can. The storms, our shadows, bound to emerge and be faced, to illuminate where the light is. The roots are souls bound together by principle. Oh, so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for taking the time to be on Hopefully Sustainable today. And I truly believe that when everyone thinks vegan, they are going to think of you, Haley. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at Hopefully Sustainable Pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.